Imagine, a podcast series by Imagine Theatre. Hello again, how are you? Welcome to episode 71 with me, Martin Ballard. Do you know, I can't believe a month of the year has gone already. And this time, we're going to take a look at the role of the pantomime producer. For more information, go to their website at www.imaginetheatre.co.uk. All of the previous 70 episodes are still available, so if you missed any of them, just go to where you normally get your podcasts from and while you're there, subscribe to the series so you don't miss any future episodes. And there are lots to come as well from Imagine Theatre, one of the UK's biggest producers of pantomime and children's theatre. Now, in the last episode, we found out about the 2023-24 season in more detail and what the priorities are for the company at the start of a brand new year, with joint CEOs managing director Steve Bowden and his wife, business and marketing director Sarah Bowden. Well, Steve has joined me again for this episode alongside Imagine's associate producer and head of celebrity casting, Laura Taylor, because this time we're going to talk about the role of the producer in more detail. So how are you both, first of all? Very well. Out of the season, into the next. <laughs> we survived another season and that can only be a good thing. We're now energised to try and do it all again. <laughs> we are. This is, a, I always say, this is the most important bit of any project. It's the debrief of the previous years and the planning of the next, because you're kind of setting out your stalls for, for what the year will look like. Well, before we talk about the role of the producer, I think it's fair to say there are many courses for actors, performers in general. There are many courses for stage management teams, even courses for directors. But I don't really know of any courses specifically for producers. So I think it'd be interesting to hear how you both became producers. Laura, first of all, let's start with you. I mean, it's an interesting journey you've had, but how did you become a producer? By complete accident, really. I mean, I think I've said before, and I think I think I'm right in saying I'm probably a rarity in the fact that I came into producing from a marketing and publicity background, and it's normally kind of performing or technical um, that leads you to producing. But I've I've just been around pantomime for so long and worked so closely with all other departments along the way that I think it's just given me the correct grounding to become a producer because I understand every element and every department that has to come together to create the show. So, yeah, I absolutely love it. Sometimes I pinch myself and say, how did I end up here? But I did and um, very pleased I, I'm here. I think it's interesting, isn't it, Steve, that in all walks of life, you can still get into the area you want to just by picking up training on the job, as it were. Tell us about your route to becoming a producer and, and to becoming Imagine Theatre. Certainly when I was at university and at school and college, you know, your career fair would never have mentioned being a theatre producer specialising in pantomime and and the opportunities that there are now compared to opportunities that there were 25, 30 years ago are very different. I absolutely loved theatre and I loved pantomime and I did a lot of local theatre when I was growing up. I got a lot of work experience at the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry as well and saw the creation of pantomimes in that environment. And I think very quickly I learned that whilst I enjoyed performance, I was certainly never going to be a performer, but I had a real interest in the process that shows were put on all departments coming together, bringing teams of people at the top of their game together to put shows on was a great interest. So I suppose I came to it through the, the love of the art form, the love of the industry, and kind of being at the right place at the right time at the Belgrade, working alongside Ian Lachlan and Will Brenton on those pantomimes and being in a position to say, look, I kind of really enjoy this. I feel I've got something to bring to the industry. And Ian going, you know what, absolutely. And providing that very first opportunity for me to 
to work for the company and then subsequently become a producer of Panto. I think when people think about uh, theatre producers, they might think about Cameron McIntosh or Bill Kenwright or Michael Harrison or others. A production company is slightly different. And of course, Laurie, you're an associate producer working with and for Imagine, aren't you? I am. So um, Imagine had 19 pantomimes and some Santa shows, but 19 pantomimes in the season just gone. And obviously 19 shows is way too many for one singular producer to look after. So we kind of divvy those 19 up into associate producers, which we find works really well. So I associate produced eight, the season just gone, which kept me very busy. Um, (laughs) But I just know those eight shows like the back of my hand. I know every single element that has to come together to create those eight shows. And strangely, don't know much about the others. And the, the associate producers on the other shows will feel the same because they just focus on their pool of shows and that works really well because it means that we become the face of those shows so the company members in my eight shows know that I am the first port of call they have my email address my mobile number they call me for any issue or problem or just to say hello sometimes which is very nice so we can have that personal element um, and you know know that we're very approachable so all those people can come to me but it also means that we can give each show that kind of personal focus and attention rather than feel like we're spinning too many plates all the time and I think that's why it works really well and I hope that's what sort of sets Imagine apart from some of the other producers as well that we have that real kind of personal touch to things I know it's been commented on quite a lot that people that work for us feel that too which is always lovely feedback to get Absolutely. I totally agree. Steve, let's talk about the first really important relationship, I think, between the producer and anybody else has to be with the venue, whether it was your very first venue in Boston all those years ago or the many venues that you work with today. First of all, you you will have to pitch to get that venue in the first place. And then you build that relationship over time, don't you? Specifically with pantomime, it's unlike any other touring product that is out there. The pantomime uh, that we would create with a venue is very much a partnership and there's two reasons for that number one there is no better company placed to know about their audience than the venue themselves they understand their market they understand their area they understand the needs and expectations of their audience and they also understand what other uh, product is in their marketplace and our role as a producer is very much to to solve the brief of the theater which is to provide us with a pantomime that is the right product in our venue And we have a great partnership working ethos with every single venue that we do. And indeed, there have been some venues who've come to us to work with us. And we've kind of had gone through a kind of like a provisional conversation and and identified that actually the solution they need isn't necessarily the solution that they thought they needed. And it's only by going through that process that you understand what it is that actually will work in that venue. And there have been some venues where we've gone through the process and uh, and agreed that actually we're not the right provider of the pantomime or that there is a better company out there that will do a better job given the requirements and the brief of the theatre. And some of our theatres you know, require a complete solution where Laura, myself, Sarah, Dave, the whole team will all come together and actually deliver the entire solution from the, the writing of the script through to the casting, through to the sets, props, costumes, effects, stage management, wardrobe, support within marketing, support within the staging, stage crew. So the whole kind of process starts when we we sit down with the venue to work out exactly what their solution is going to look like, what scale of pantomime, what the title is. It's a real collaborative process. And, you know, that's the, the best uh, result 
for any project. And Laura, before you actually um, you know, start to get a creative team together, go through auditions and so on, the first thing you have to decide, and I guess this is a joint thing with the venue, is the title. Yes, um, and that comes about from various things. Normally the programming and what title they are due in the cycle. Also what titles are popular at the moment. And sometimes due to the casting. If there's a profile name, for example, that really wants to play a certain part in a title, sometimes that sways the decision Um, and of course the physical shows we need to make sure that we have a set that fits into that specific theatre so there's lots of different aspects that come together to choosing on the title but that's the first thing we usually decide and then we start putting the rest of the pieces together for the rest of the production. Obviously the venue might have a, a strong opinion on what that title might be but also you have to look at other factors don't you? In a bigger city for instance there may be several pantos Uh, you don't want to be doing the same panto as another theatre for instance do you that's right you have to try and avoid um, competition in the catchment area it's not always easy to find out what the title is going to be sometimes you can work it out from the cycle and the programming that theatre has had in the past so we do a bit of research and see what they've had in the last few years to make our decision and we can usually work out which title they're going to go with or certainly ones they're not going to go with and that normally makes our decision a bit easier too and steve when you get a brand new venue of course that won't be in any cycle with imagine theatre so would you go in with a pitch with a particular title in mind building on what laura's just said it's all about the research and looking at the right sort of uh, title based on historical uh, performances by any producer and what local theatres are. Of course, sometimes there's a great opportunity to try a new title or try a new version of a title. And I think that's quite exciting. And that's usually part of our strategy when we're talking to the venues is to say, okay, we're not just looking at this one year in isolation. What we need to be doing is looking strategically at the next three to five years. What do you need your panto to do? Is it to generate additional income for the theatre? Is it to provide additional schools performances for a local school's audience? What is it that the pantomime has to do to satisfy that venue? It's usually a combination of both. It's about reaching an audience and it's about providing a financial income for the theatre to kind of stabilise it over the over the rest of the year. And that can lead us down all sorts of title conversations. Some titles are more commercially popular than others. Some audiences like to be challenged with titles that they're perhaps not used to seeing. And all of those conversations come up at that initial planning stage. And this epitomises in many ways how Imagine works, you know, tailoring the product to the specific area, making it a local pantomime for local people. But of course, before you can do anything else, the other thing you have to have, Steve, is the budget in mind. And that can vary, presumably, depending on the deal you have with the venue and the size of the production and so on. Goodness me, you're absolutely right. You know, Some venues will generate millions of pounds at the box office during their pantomime season. Some venues will generate a couple of hundred thousand. So scales are very much at the front of what we're talking about. But each venue, regardless of its scale, requires the same infrastructure and the same amount of work to put a pantomime on, whether you're putting a panto on in a 200-seat venue or a 2,000-seat venue. So we very closely, with the theatre again, look at the economics of that project and work out what the best route through the through the problem is to, to give the solution that will work to the benefit of the theatre and to the benefit of the producer. And that's what's exciting. It's problem solving. We're looking at a problem, and the problem is that the theatre requires a pantomime, but that pantomime has to do the following. And therefore, once you know what that particular problem brief is, 
you can then work through that process to put the right solution in place to deliver on the requirements of that project. So, Laura, you have a venue. You've got that relationship with the venue manager. You've decided on a title and you know what your budget is. The next thing you'll probably want to do is introduce a creative team. And that's not just the director, choreographer and so on, but also scriptwriter. How early do they get involved? As early as possible. The script is so key in so many other decisions on the production that you try and get all of that in place as early as you can. And again, it depends on previous scripts we might have that we want to use as a kind of starting point in this particular venue. We are lucky in the fact that we have a pool of writers. We don't have one individual script writer, which means we can ask the venue what kind of flavour they want their show to have. We try to use local writers when it's appropriate. So we've got a Welsh script writer that writes for our Welsh shows. We've got Scottish writers and we've got a pool of English writers and they've all got varying styles, which keeps it fresh and interesting. And it means that all of our shows are different, which I think is really important too. And would that entail all of those people coming together with venue manager to discuss the product? Would everybody be involved in the whole process from then on? So once we've spoken to the venue and they have approved our choice of script writer and everyone's happy, they um, obviously the writer then goes, uh, starts putting a synopsis together. We then quickly put the rest of the creative team in place, director, choreographer, that sometimes creative teams at the venue has worked with before and want to see back, or maybe directors that have worked on this particular script before so they know the show if we've got any idea on casting at that stage it might be a creative team that have worked with that cast and then once the creative team are in place we have various meetings along the way along the year where we all kind of come to the table with different ideas on scenes song choices comedy routines Um, it's a real collaborative process which takes place all year through we also ask for sort of different drafts of the script along the way so nothing is finalized until very very late in the day actually and we normally sign off on the final script kind of october time once everything else has been agreed and put into place ready to be formatted and printed and sent out so it starts as early as january february and the whole process can take yeah most of the year what about a production manager steve Or would that be something that would happen later? Because, of course, you're having these meetings, you've got the script, the budget and everything is in place. You're looking at sets, props and everything else. Would you have a production manager early on? We would try to. On particular bigger shows where we might be building a brand new production or we might be uh, adding significant scenes, building new uh, sets or having a wardrobe construction made. It all depends on the scale of the project and what that particular panto needs. Production managers are really useful. We've got a team of them internally who kind of oversee alongside the associate producers the delivery of the pantos. But we do bring in external production managers at various stages of the project to support with new builds or how that show is physically going to work in the venue. And then we'll get the production managers hopefully on board by our first production meetings that are usually taking place around May so that they have a handle on potential problems that we may face. Every set is a different size. Every venue has a different physical stage housing. Some can fly, some can't, some have wing space, some don't. So all these constraints are being considered and the production manager is the key person in those conversations as they act as a kind of like a facilitator of scenery and costume, a facilitator of special effects, how they're going to work together, talking with the lighting and sound team. In in some instances, there's also video in that. 
and talking as well with stage management and theatre management as to the kind of like the crewing requirements. So those production managers then become a real important cog in, in the in the system. And from, you know, first production meeting, their input is really, really important. And by the summer, Steve, I would imagine that you would want uh, at least an idea of the songs that are going to be included so that you can actually, you know, get tracks recorded and appoint MDs and so on. That's exactly what's happening in the music world, particularly we're recruiting our um, casts. And at that point, the, the songs that they may be required to sing and the keys that they may be required to sing in need to be established. And that's kind of like an ongoing process. Our arrangers are working with the writers uh, to start to line up the music choices. And we're often waiting for that elusive summer hit or that, you know, this year it was Barbie. I think I don't think I saw a panto that didn't have a Barbie uh, movie number in it somewhere. And they're working, you know, with the writers to make sure that the music choices are relevant as well and that they will fit into the script and and serve a purpose and and that they're not extraneous. So, yeah, the work of the music is ongoing from from you know the minute there is a first draft of the script to making sure that we get the right people singing the right songs at the right time and also the right tempo and the right duration. And the charts can throw up some really great tracks in a year and they can throw up Baby Shark, but let's not go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Laura, in terms of the casting, there are two sides to this. Obviously, you're overseeing the whole celebrity casting aspect and maybe some of those celebrities might even be in shows that you're not associate producer of, but also you're involved in the audition process across the board anyway. So when does that start and what does that entail? It's already started, Martin. <laughs> that the that is the first thing that starts. So for the shows that have profiled names in, <clears throat> we try and get those in place first. The reason being is you never quite know which role the profile name is going to fall into. So it's very difficult to get the any you know further casting in place until that profile name or names are in place. So that's that's our starting point, and that's already in motion now. And then once all the profile names are in place. And obviously we have our regulars in some venues, the dames and comics that return every year. So hopefully they're, you know, in place nice and early too. And then once our key people are in place, we start putting all of the supporting casts around them. And that, again, there are so many other key things that rely on the cast being in place, costumes, wardrobe measurements publicity, all of those other things. So we try and get the casting in place as early as we can, because then all of those other departments can go on with their jobs. So yes, it's already started. We try and have all of the key casting in place by spring, early summer, and then all the supporting casts are auditioned and cast sort of mid to late summer we like to have everything in place by end of september you're like one of those speciality acts who does all the plate spinning <laughs> aren't you because i, I mean the, the the budget alone that has to be carefully managed and casting can have an impact on that you know if you've got a high profile name in there that's going to have an impact on the budget so you've got to be on top of that all the way through haven't you you have and listen budget is always important in every department but you know when you're looking at star names and they all come at different values depending depending on their profile. Again, that has to be the starting point because then you know what what's left in the pot to, to spend on everything else. And also costumes. If we, you know, not everybody's the same shape and size. So some people will fit into existing costumes. Some people will need brand new costumes made. So that has an impact on budget as well in wardrobe and props. Sometimes you might be, I don't know, casting a magician or somebody that comes with, you know, specific props that they need. Tim Vine, for example, asked us to make 
uh, an aeroplane made out of a courgette. That's not a usual request. So all of these weird and wonderful things that might come about that do have an impact in, on budget, which is why you need the casting in place as early as you can. Okay, Steve, you've got your script, you've got your set, you've got the music being recorded, you've got your creative team and the casting has been done. What happens between that sort of day and the first day of rehearsals what's the producer's role there producer's role is to absolutely facilitate the joining up of both venue expectation producers delivery and also look at the economics throughout all of that because what we've learned particularly post pandemic is that booking patterns are changing all the time the uh, consistency and continuity of sales that we perhaps knew pre-pandemic isn't the same so when you've locked the budget down and you know what your targets are and the theatre and, and the producer are working together to try and reach and surpass those targets, you have to keep a very careful eye on what's happening in the marketing of the show and keep an eye each week as to whether the sales are performing in the way that we would expect. Monitor activities that we do where we might see a sudden shift in booking patterns and obviously replicate that across other productions where we think there's uh, trends that we need to be aware of. It's really important to try and make sure that you fill the performances in a, in a logical, sensible way so that no performances at the start of the run are empty. And then equally, you don't end up with a spare capacity at the start of the run that once those performances are passed, you can never get back. So we're doing a lot of monitoring, a lot of forecasting, making sure that ticket sales are on target where we spot problems. We're being able to address them with venue to make sure that we can get every possible opportunity to sell a seat, but also to make sure and adapt to any anything that is changing. You know, this year, a couple of our venues were impacted by the concrete problems that some buildings were, were suffering from. And it's about making sure that the pantomimes continue to sell and that there is no possible you know risk to those performances taking place. And Laura, once the show is in rehearsal and of course once it's open your job isn't over is it what do you do firstly during that rehearsal period and then what do you do once the show is open that's when the uh, the hard part of the job really starts so obviously they're all in their various rehearsal rooms all around the UK so it's our job as the producer to then travel the UK visiting all of those companies making sure everyone's happy see what issues have popped up and make sure that you're happy with the way the show is is coming together so from the start of rehearsals until the the show's closing we spend our life on the road I dread to think how many miles I've put on the hire car this year um, <laughs> but yeah and that's that's what you have to do and the troubles do not end as the show opens you never know what's going to throw up sort of throughout the run um, and it's our job as the producer to kind of troubleshoot and as I say we're always kind of first port of call and there's always it doesn't matter how prepared or organised you are there are always new challenges and problems that that rear their ugly head every year. So it's quite exciting because you never know what problem is going to come your way. These shows are literally created from scratch. And whilst we may have the infrastructure of them to use again, like sets and costumes, we are creating a bespoke show for a particular venue. It's not a touring show that's, you know, been troubleshooted over a number of previews and a number of weeks of touring. These shows and large scale productions that pantomime are, are literally being developed and delivered in a really tight time frame and inevitably there will be things that on paper should work but when you actually get it on stage and you're teching it or you're putting it in front of an audience and seeing how the audience feedback changes have to be made and that's part of the job of the producer and the creative team to be able to react 
as things happen. The other thing as well, of course, is that during the season, and, and Steve, you've, you've got more work than most because you're directing in Reading as well, but once the shows are open, uh, any producer will be looking at other companies' product as well to see what the competition is doing. Yeah, that's right. And we, you know, it's, we're a competitive but friendly band of producers because there isn't that many pantomime producers out there. And we all, you know, we all talk and we're all aware of each other's style. We each have our own kind of house style of pantomime that we deliver. And that's really good. And inevitably, we're working with people who've worked on our shows and we're going to support other other people who may have been working with us and are now working with other producers, uh, performers and creatives. And it's always great to get out there and just see how everybody is getting on because good pantomime from all producers breeds good pantomime throughout the UK. And pantomime is its own beast and requires, you know, care and, and attention. And it's really important that every production that we put on stage is is equal to and uh, as good as every other production that is touring out there, be it panto or musical theatre or plays or dramas. So it's really good to just be out there and just see how, you know, how the industry is doing, how our productions stack up against other producers' productions, lessons that we can all learn from each other. And Laura, we spoke in the last episode to Sarah and Steve about this sort of debrief period at the end of a panto season. You really don't have a, a chance to even put your feet up. In fact, you may have been already working on next year before the previous season has finished. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Swansea is a perfect example. We announced some casting for the 24 season as the 23 season opened. So Kev Johnson and Matt Edwards, the Damon comic there, um, are already booked for next year and we're able to announce it from the stage and we've got lots of casting ideas already in the pipeline and also you need to debrief while it's all fresh in your mind and it's really important to debrief we've had a really good season with really really strong shows out there but I always say there's no such thing as the perfect panto there's always little tweaks and improvements you can make and it's really important that we sit back and discuss the minor issues, I have to say, never major issues, which is great, but all the minor things that happened this year and how we can iron those out and go into this next season as prepared as we're ever going to be. And there's always improvement, always room for improvement. And it, as I say, it's great that we get all departments together because one department might have had one issue that you might not be aware of um, or something our department did that did that impacted another department so it's really important as a full team to sit around and discuss what happened and and what we do this year now there may be somebody listening to this Laura who may be a performer maybe a director may work backstage and may have listened to this and thought you know the producer's job is really exciting it's so many different things and I hadn't appreciated just what it entails if if somebody came to you and said it's something I'd like to do Laura, what sort of advice would you give them? I guess the best bit of advice is to just make sure that you listen and educate yourself on every department of a production. There are so many departments that an audience member or a performer might not be aware of, marketing and budgeting being two areas that are so important from a producer's point of view but isn't always seen from an audience's an outward facing point of view. So it's getting a good understanding of all of those hidden departments and hidden aspects that are just vitally important, as important to the visual stuff, you know, the, the sets and the 
costumes and the script because they're all absolutely vital into creating a production and that's why I've had the luxury having worked for so many amazing pantomime production companies throughout my career I've had so much insight into all of those different departments it is it is so exciting and you're never an expert in all of those things but we always say being a good producer is working with the right experts in all the relevant departments who all bring their unique skills to the table who have you know equal input into that final show they're all as important as each other and steve i mentioned at the very beginning i i don't know of any apprenticeships or courses that teach production or how to be a producer do you think maybe the marketplace needs that to bring producers on for the future yes i think it does there are a lot of opportunities now to uh, associate yourselves with places like uk theater where they have kind of like uh, schemes that allow you to kind of buddy up with producers in the field people can study production management and arts management and understand you know with modules on producing so i think there are more opportunities in higher education for people to get involved but laura's hit the nail on the head actually the way to becoming a producer on the ground is to just immerse yourself in every department and just look and watch and learn and get as much experience as you can in the world of theatre because you have to understand the pressures on the box office. You have to understand the pressures on the cleaners. You have to turn the theatre around. You have to understand the pressures on the cast who you're expecting to work, you know, two shows a day, six days a week. Uh, you have to understand the finances, the practicality, the realistic you know, deliverables against the budget. And only by immersing yourself in the world do you really get a grip on how the role of a producer operates you have to be a people person as well you know your <laughs> social skills and communication skills are absolutely the most important quality i think and you both have that in spades so continue with the good work have another great year the countdown has already started for the next panto season <laughs> laura and steve thank you so much for talking to us You're thanks very martin well. well that's it for now i'm afraid don't forget to send any questions you might have about imagine theater or pantomime in general via the get in touch section of the website at imagine theatre.co.uk make sure you subscribe through your favourite podcast app and join me Martin Ballard next time for episode 72 when for the latest in our occasional series looking at the popular panto titles we turn our attention to Beauty and the Beast thank you for listening to the latest edition of Just Imagine the podcast series from Imagine Theatre And you can find out more by going to www.imagintheatre.co.uk.